Welcome to Cloud Realities Live, a conversation show exploring the practical and exciting alternate realities that can be unleashed through cloud-driven transformation. I'm Dave Chapman. I'm Shao Kazal. And I'm Rob Kernan. So we're here for episode two at MWC um, 2024 in uh, Barcelona still. We are at day three of the conference though, um, and there is there remains a lot going on. So Shao, what, what's standing out for you um, at, like as we start day three of the conference? For me, I wandered uh, around with Rob on the expo floor yesterday. Right. And we saw a bunch of foldable phones. Right. Consumer happiness, that's yeah. what that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We took some pictures from the uh, of the air taxi. Oh, that yeah. was really was great. Good. It was cool. And we saw your favorite phone. Yeah. Uh, Dave, sorry. Um, the, the Honor Magic 6 Pro, which has a 180 megapixel periscope telephoto camera. 180 uh, megapixels is that on the your one phone. With, is that the one with the Leica camera? It's got the big fat yeah. array yeah. at the yeah, back yeah, that sticks nice. out a mile. I'm going to have a look at that today. I truly believe that I actually need that for yeah, my fireworks pictures. Going, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can create, just think of the detail of your digital litter that yeah. you can create on yeah. the back yeah. of that Absolutely that, that tremendous camera. stuff, yeah. tremendous yeah. stuff. Describe the air taxi. What is it, is, is it, does it look basically like a, a drone with a seat on it or is it like a like a four-person fit-in, big like, yeah. rotor blades take off and they've got a massive screen behind it pretending it it's flying through the city right. it is a massive thing so they don't actually take make it take off and like hover it live on the no. marketplace floor no it is just no, that no, there no. is a big thing though it is it is one of those things you approach you go that's a lot bigger than i thought it was going to be i would imagine from a health and safety point of view they've made a wise decision there what yeah. not to run massive <laughs> rotor blades massive on the show floor <laughs> yeah dave exactly yeah, yeah. can you imagine the paperwork you'd have to fill in i, I, I dread to I, honestly it would be a new category wouldn't it <laughs> Um, right, so the, the thing that really struck out for me, beyond AI being hyper-prevalent, again, like it is in the vast majority of conferences you go to today, is the use of AI as a, as a support tool for digital transformation. So this, this phrase, AI-enabled digital transformation, and we, we talk a lot on the show about cloud-driven transformation. How does that AI-enabled digital transformation, is that the next version of cloud-enabled transformation, or is it... At the moment, is it just a lot of buzzwords all strung together? So if you think about it, what is actually the core of digital transformation? We're seeing here the telcos starting to move to become digital telcos, diversification of re um, revenue. We see a, a, a wider ecosystem. We talked um, about uh, bringing cloud-native concepts to RAN and such like. It, it, it feels a little bit like it's marketing right. to a degree because a lot of what digital transformation is about is culture, people, ways of working, transforming your thinking, yep. new approaches to just being as the organization. And so I'm sure AI can help, but fundamentally it's the human that creates that change as opposed to anything else. So um, I'm on the marketing side of the uh, right. why it's being said, although there is, a, there is a thing about it. It is a big tool in your arsenal that you must use to become more digital. So when you think about productivity and you think about efficiency and optimization, absolutely AI is a big part to play in that. Yeah, for me, it, it, there are two elements to it that, that struck me as I saw that. I, I agree, I think at this point it is marketing. Yeah. But it's interesting how fast we've got to that phrase, like, in, like things like cloud-driven transformation. It probably took seven or eight years to get to a point where people were considering that um, in a way that was going to profoundly change the shape of organizations. And I would argue that we're still in fairly early days of that. And, you know, within about 18 months, we're at a point where, where AI has got there. So, the, again, yeah. the sense of acceleration to that point to me is quite dramatic. Well, it's, it's the, I mean, we discussed it on episode one. It was the, 
use the cloud narrative to leapfrog and uh, avoid the mistakes of the past. Yeah. I mean, we all like to repeat our mistakes, but in this particular one, you can imagine this sector Not using when you've that got learning. Co pilot reminding you constantly of the mistakes <laughs> you make. Well, that mistake you made uh, yeah. <laughs> 10 years ago, as you were thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, I, f I think AI will be part of the cloud driven transformations. Mm. Lots of companies are not into cloud transformations yet, and AI will become a mandatory part of it from now on. Yeah, I think that's spot yeah. on. I think that's spot on. I think also there's, there's the big question, probably not for today's show, but there's a big question as well about what does an what does an AI enabled enterprise actually begin to look like? Yeah. I think that's a very different shape to a to a traditional enterprise. And on a previous live we discussed that um at Envision if you remember about are people prepared and ready for the reshaping of the organization that actually yeah, occurs. Exactly. And I don't think many are thinking about how how that transformation that that shape people shaped transformation is actually going to impact them. I don't think people have properly get their head around it. Right, right. Well, we'll, we'll uh, we will certainly be tracking that across the, the course of this year as we do more of these things because the, the speed is is huge. But let, back to MWC, um, six topic areas at the conference that we've been talking about on the shows this week, 5G and beyond, connecting everything, humanizing AI, um, manufacturing DX, game changes and our digital DNA. Now, today's... Uh, subject that we're going to focus in on is our digital DNA. So what the what the show's referring to when they talk about that is across the ecosystem um, is being sustainable, being diverse, and attracting new talent and creating talent pipelines that are going to make for a sustainable business going forward. Uh, it's something that we are pretty passionate about on the show generally. Um, diversity and attracting and attracting new talent and new generations in, and and as you might expect. They also talk quite heavily about increasing um, a more circular approach to operate in increasingly sustainable and energy efficient ways. Um, and it reflects that uh, as an industry, telecom is still falling short of UN targets when it comes to sustainability. Yeah. So I think with, with that, um, the angle that we're having to become aware of more and more is how the work is getting done. Right. So in the early right. days of processing, we just went cloud, great, just ask, ask for some compute, off we go. Yeah. But as AI models come in and ever-increasing compute, that um, drives a requirement for optimization efficiency and that's more sustainable inherently. Indeed. And so we need to be aware of what systems are doing, how they're running. So I always refer to this as good decisions made early on as possible. Mm. And so educating the developer and the architect and everything else about things like processor selection and the language that they're using to build a system can make a dramatic difference in its performance, Indeed. in the efficiency of it, and then cost and sustainability is a natural byproduct of those good decisions. And so, yes, we have a big architecture and we need to optimize what's there, but it's about everything new that we create. We're more aware of what's going on under the covers a bit more. So maybe we had treated cloud as a thing that we can just say it's a commodity thing a bit yeah. more. We just asked for a computer. Now we need to make more careful decisions about, about what we're the, using. About the value chains. And, and the flexibility is there, yeah? So the choice, the myriad of choice, if you want to get into it, is available. And we can, uh, so we need to start to think about that and it's driving ever more... Um, uh, well, sorry, um, we need to think more about what we're doing earlier on in the life cycle mm. rather than plowing into the shiny things and make better decisions up front. Well, I'm very glad to say to, to, to talk to us about that today, we've got um, Mohammed Awad, the SVP and GM of Infrastructure Business at Arm. So, Mohammed, good to see you today. Thanks for making some time. 
Thanks for uh, having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Arm. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I manage the infrastructure line of business at Arm. Um, infrastructure at Arm is really everything from that onboarding point for data. So think that 5G base station or mm. gateway all the way through the networking gear into the data center uh, and then HPC. So kind of all the compute that happens within that, whether it's the networking, the storage, general purpose compute, AI, you know, kind of uh, as my, my team is responsible for. So to right at the heart of the sustainability cycle that, uh, that Rob was talking about then. And, and before Absolutely. we dive deeply into that yeah. there's, prob there's probably listeners that aren't that familiar with the sort of the, the processor industry where arm fits in yeah. you know kind of what these huge leaps uh, of of, uh, of innovation that are going on in that space at the moment so when you set a bit of a baseline for us tell us about arm but also maybe give us a perspective on the innovation that's going on in the world of processing yeah sure so um so you know, uh, your listeners may not have heard of ARM, but they're probably using it. They're probably using it right now yeah, as yeah. they listen to us. So yeah, ARM yeah. is, uh, you know, the most pervasive compute architecture ever. Um, over 280 billion devices shipped uh, as part of our um, partner ecosystem. Includes, you know, your mobile phone likely is using an ARM processor. Um, this microphone that we're using, mm. the headsets, your televisions, um, really devices all around you. Um, we're, we are certainly most well-known for, for mobile, uh, mobile phones. Um, and as a 30-year-old company, we really started at the heritage of designing very low-power processors for compute solutions which had very specific use cases. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, our partners, you know, asked us to, and when I say partners, I'm really talking about the semiconductor industry, um, because we are an IP provider, came to us and said, hey, we're looking for low-power processors to, uh, to solve, you know, low power challenges right. across across right. the industry. And so we develop those solutions. We um, we provide, uh, you know, IP to those partners who then go off and create, um, you know, uh, devices for all different use cases. I think what's unique about ARM is that we have um, historically provided and continue to provide platforms to go service different markets. And those um, partners then go and, and develop products for, for different spaces. About Five years ago or so, six years ago, um, we we uh, we started to engage the infrastructure uh, area in, mm -hmm. in a very meaningful way. We had invested in infrastructure for much longer than that, but specifically five years ago, our partner said, "Hey, not only is is efficiency really important, which is kind of where our legacy came mm -hmm. from, but mm -hmm. we need a little bit more on on performance." Right. So we launched our Neoverse line, and um, and we've seen a lot of success in infrastructure since then. So help us understand a little bit about what what's the innovation process going on at, at micro level here? How you, how are you getting to the, you know, twice the processing power for half the energy uh, benchmarks? Yeah, so there's a couple of things going on. I mean, one is just a long le legacy of squeezing every ounce of efficiency out of the processor. Mm. So when you think about you know, a thermostat or a mobile phone, a device that has to run on a battery and has to run all day long. There right. are techniques that you use around, you know, um, the the type of instructions you use all the way through to, you know, how you design those CPUs at the microarchitectural level, mm -hmm. which are specifically focused on power consumption. So that's kind of our legacy because so much of our heritage comes from that area. Um, you know, what we've done now is we've carried a lot of those techniques forward. And you're seeing that happen, you know, even just in your mobile phone, where the processing in your mobile phone, you're effectively carrying a supercomputer around in your pocket, right. which is being powered by ARM. 
but it still has to run on a battery. And so, you know, it's that mentality that our engineering teams over 30 years have just kind of continued to, to, to bring forward and kind of leverage in their design. We're seeing we're carrying that over now into kind of kind of uh, infrastructure class devices. It, it is incredible because the the discussion around it has almost come full circle, hasn't it? In terms of there was a there was the um, there was the Moore's law effect that sure. you've probably been dealing with over that period, which is like the race for more and more processing power. Yeah, and and now the race is on less and less actual power. Yeah, it, it's actually both. So, and I think I think we would be. We'd be remiss not to talk about both at the same time. And, and ARM actually plays a very unique place, as a, occupies a very unique area within the ecosystem because, you know, what we're seeing more and more is you've got this massive influx of data as more and more endpoints come online mm, mm. And, and add data into the infrastructure. The more data that's added into the infrastructure, more compute you need to process that data, the more compute you need to transport that data to store that data. And so there's this massive kind of increase in... Um, in, in requirements on the infrastructure. And then at the same time, meaning in terms of compute, there's a massive kind of increase in requirements. And at the same time, what we're seeing is that, you know, you build a warehouse and you've only got so much power coming into it. And so how do you, how do you support all that increased compute for the same power budget? Um, you know, and then obviously the sustainability goals and all the rest of it. And so I think all of that is coming together. And what we're actually see happen is we're seeing, you know, hyperscalers, uh, OEMs, et cetera, kind of take a clean sheet design. What right. they're finding is right. that an off-the-shelf general purpose solution is no longer sufficient to meet those demands. And, and, and what that means for ARM is that, and for our ecosystem, is it, it actually speaks to a, a specific and unique characteristic of ARM, which mm. is, mm. you know, we, we are unique in the industry in providing you know, three things. One, a, a performant, efficient IP platform. The second is providing that platform within the context of an ecosystem, mm. meaning a software ecosystem, so you can quickly adopt software. And then third, um, you know, providing the ability for, for our partners to go off and make modifications and customize it to whatever their specific use case is. Right. And so, you know, because we are unique in, in providing all three of those, that's actually been a lot of the reason why we've seen a lot, so much, so much traction. It's, it's the technology, it's the fact that we allow people to go customize and optimize for their use case, and then the ecosystem go with it. So that, that third point in terms of partners then and the optimization, maybe give us an insight, if you can, into the conversations you're having with uh, cloud service providers yeah. and how they're adopting this stuff in their platforms. Yeah, so what we're seeing, like, you know, if, and, and you, we see this with partners like AWS and, you know, Microsoft recently with Cobalt, uh, and, and, and the, which is their custom SOC that they've built based on ARM. AWS is obviously Graviton. Even NVIDIA, Grace Hopper, and every one of those cases, it's really the same story, which is, hey, they've come to us and they said, hey, we know our workloads better than every, anyone else, whether that's AI or whatever they're trying to, to build it for. And, you know, um, you know and, and we no longer want to take a general purpose thing and just use it. Rather, we want to build that silicon in support of the server, which we've already architected, right. in support of the rack, which we've already designed, in support of the warehouse, which we already have, yeah. which has a fixed amount of energy. And so when you start to do things like that, you can start to think about, hey, what it, you know, you can get down to, hey, what, is the what are the dimensions of the actual SOC so I can fit an extra one in a server blade so that I can get a little bit more compute in every rack, for right. example? And right. do I have the right interfaces to support, you know, the memory and all that kind of And so it's, it's that level of customization that we're seeing. You know, 
Grace Hopper, they, uh, you know, if you look at what they did, they went from a single CPU supporting multiple GPUs, mm. was the legacy architecture, to a one-to-one -one mapping of CPU to GPU. What does that do? It gives them memory coherency, so now they can support large language models. So it's those types of customizations that, that we're seeing more and more. And it was always the domain that the processor was the processor and we had it, and now we can uh, uh, design in the reverse direction, right. which gives that flexibility to say, I need this trait from my processor, and you're offering the flexibility in the way we operate and build these things to allow us to do that. So you can think in another direction and get yeah. a very specific thing out of um, the platform. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and a lot of that, um, it, it, you know, and, and you say say it's us, it is us, but, you know, it's it's our ecosystem, really. Oh, yeah, right? yeah I've, and, absolutely. And, and, and it's an important point because, you know, we, we, you know, we've built this sort of ecosystem of partners who are now building on top of things like these compute subsystems that we bring together. So we will bring a compute subsystem together and, and we offer that and a compute subsystem is we integrate the IP and we get it ready to go. And then we hand it off to partners who can then go make modifications to it or um, invest upon it. So, so further accelerating time yeah. to market. Right? And it's that a right to modify in the reverse direction that supports better innovation. Yeah, so absolutely. you're not just handed a brick and say, you've got to use that brick. You As say, actually, I want to change that brick because my problem is slightly different. And that's, that's right. what you've enabled, which is a really important thing about a bi-directional thought process. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. So, so when you zoom that out yeah. and you zoom that out to sort of end user level, whether that's a consumer or whether that's what whether that's a business yeah how, how do you how do you frame that for, for you know for for those organizations or individuals that are maybe a few steps away from your very deep innovation process yeah I mean the reality is is that you know when you're when you're um, a, as a user as a as, as somebody who jumps on and does a web search or watches a video mm -hmm. online you may not know which processor in the back end is is supporting that right and but but what is important to you is that you know when you make that query you get the results back in a timely fashion that you know your the response time and the service level that you get occurs and when you think about the increased demands on the infrastructure mm. you know though th that quality of service would quickly degrade if these advancements weren't weren't happening. And I think right. that's the point that, you know, and, and when I explain it to my, you know, to my mom, right, yeah, right. that's kind of how I explain it to her. And, that's and, usually and, a good window, I think. Into, into <laughs> it's like, like, does my mom get it? Yeah, exactly. Does my mom get it, right? You know, my mom spent, you know, uh, 30 years at TI, so she's a semiconductor person. So right, she's a little, right. she's pretty oh, she's like guy, so I don't want to do There's you know, a family wanna, thread here, isn't there? There's, there's, a, a, there's yeah, a family yeah. thread here, yeah. yeah. There's a family <laughs> thread here. So. <laughs> Wonderful. So, to bring the conversation uh, full circle then, um, let's talk about the sustainability point, because I know you guys have been very heavily focused on that aspect of it. We've touched on it a couple of yeah. times in the conversation. Um, does the sustainability aspect predominantly come from that increased density that you were describing it, that, you know, within things like the cloud, um, as a result of the new architectures, you can pack more processing power into more space with a, a set amount of power around in the warehouse that all of this stuff is housed in, or are there a, a number of other angles running in all of that? Yeah, I mean, the sustainability thing is, is hitting us from all different all different sides. I mean, one side is obviously, you know, compute is just growing at an exponential rate and we just can't keep up. Mm. And so if we don't find a way to pack more compute into the same processing, you know, the thing's going to fall over. Right. right. So there's that. Right. And that's kind of what we've been talking about. But there's also this whole idea of, you know, sustainability goals and, you know, what we're doing to the environment and getting more conscious about that. And, 
you know, local governments being more, you know, um, conscientious about, hey, do we really want to put another data center in here because we don't have the power to go support it and, you know, all of the impact that, you know, these massive sort of uh, compute farms yeah. are, are creating. Yeah. So, you know, we're really trying to balance both of those things. Um, you know, and there's all sorts of innovation going on within infrastructure right now, you know, both in terms of cooling and in terms of, you know, other aspects to try to keep up with mm. some of these, mm. you know, and, and just leveraging even sustainable energy, which are all kind of focused on the same problem. And, and where do you see it? Um, where do you see it going in the next five years? Because obviously the, the, all, of the, all of the challenges of, yeah. of exponential growth in this space, particularly with the AI revolution, yeah. if anything, that's going to create an acceleration, right? So when you look out over the next five or 10 years, do you do that with hope because you can see a way through? Or do you do that with a little bit of a, a furrowed brow because it's like, oh my God, these challenges are huge. The challenges are huge. Yeah. Um, having said that, I, I am incredibly hopeful, mm. right? And I'm incredibly hopeful because what we're seeing right now is a kind of dawn of a new era where where the sort of innovation is just, you know, I mean, the reality of of, of the uh, the semiconductor industry and, and, you know, computers, it's been relatively stable for, you know, we've been on Moore's Law kind of ticking away. Yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden we, now we've, we've got this kind of new realization that that's not good enough. Right. And so what right. you're seeing is sort of massive innovation across the board. And so I, I am I am incredibly hopeful because we are seeing these kind of big advances in terms of the amount of compute we can put in put into a device, into into the amount of efficiency. But it is, you know, there's it's a big problem. There's so it's going to require everybody. Right? And that, yeah, everybody. It, and that's the point requires everybody because I think and being one myself in the past, developers are lazy. Yeah, sometimes. And Rob speaking for himself. I was never lazy. But the point is that when we write code, um, it's rare that we, we think about functionality first and we don't think about efficiency as we're cutting the code. And I think that point about it's everybody's problem is that's got to go right up the stack. Yeah. Everybody thinking about efficiency and sustainability, importantly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what I mean by better decisions early on, that other people are going to have to join the fight for getting every ounce of capability and capacity out of what we're using and what we're doing. So like, developers will have to change the way they think about they write code because it's part of the problem. It really is. And, you know, I think it's increasingly being realized, that issue right now, but it, I still feel it's it's not as big of a conversation as it needs to be. It's nascent. So when you select a library to do a function, is that library rated as efficient? Yeah, you can take it off the shelf, open source code, or do you write code? Is it actually the best it can be? And well, that can make a huge difference to the amount of compute that actually gets executed. Because compute was always seen as a cheap commodity thing, and now it actually it's very precious. Yeah. yeah, so we need to think differently about how we build systems. I mean, it's really part of the modernization story that you were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, when, 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 when developers think about their software, it's about, is the code efficient? Can it run on specialized compute? Yeah. Does, is it portable across lots of different platforms because, you know, the underlying compute could change to be more efficient, et cetera? And, you know, is the code itself able to kind of yeah. evolve in, in a meaningful way? And I think all those things are, you know, to your point, it's, it's about the humans kind of thinking about, you know, and, and to keeping that stuff in mind as they, uh, as they move forward, right? Mohammed, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Now, we end every episode of the podcast by asking our guests what they're excited about doing next. And since we're in sunny Barcelona at this unbelievably large conference, maybe what you're excited about doing next at MWC. 
Well, I'm heading home tomorrow, so after oh, a long yeah, that's, week, that's I'm super scary. excited. That's peak. Yeah, that's that's peak. It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I have a long day of meetings today. And I, you know what I love about uh, shows like Barcelona is it really gives you a chance to meet with all sorts of, uh, all sorts of parts of the ecosystem and just kind of, you know, just kind of So, so have you been here a number of times at MWC? I have, yeah. I've been coming here for, well, with the exception of the COVID years, I've mm. obviously been coming here for probably about 15 years. So a true oh, veteran. Wow. Yeah. 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 What, what's your observations on the change of the show? What, one of the things that separates with both the show and us as individuals, yeah. first time we've been at MWC, okay. and yeah. I think the thing that has, has surprised all of us is, is how to use one of Rob's favorite words, how converged it all is. So yeah. how, how how much it's not just about the world of telecom. It's, yeah. it's very much more holistically around the world of tech. Yeah. Has it always been that way or have uh, you seen that evolve? I find it's more like that now. Mm. It could be some of it's my focus and kind of how I think about things as well. But certainly I do find it's, it's absolutely more like that. I find that it's moved much more into the... Uh, it's much more infrastructure focused mm. than it was mm. when it yeah. when I when I first started coming. It was all about the new shiny you know mobile phone. Okay. Um, you know, uh, I find it's very infrastructure focused now. Mm. So, mm. but again, that could be my own bias. I was focused more on mobile phones then, and right. obviously focused more on infrastructure. Right. But um, but you know, I think there's some there's something for everybody. I mean, like you were talking about, you know, the the uh, the, the robo taxi. There is a flying car here. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It doesn't get any better it than does, that. It right? Blade Runner. It's Blade Runner <laughs> in the other hole. I've been waiting for the promise of the flying car right. for about 30 well, years. Well, you got one. Yeah. You got one. <laughs> so a huge thanks to our guest, Mohamed. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks also to our sound and editing wizards, Ben and Louis, our producer, Marcel, and of course, to all of our listeners. We're on LinkedIn and X, Dave Chapman, Rob Kernahan, and Xiao Kizal. Feel free to follow or connect with us. And please get in touch if you have any comments or ideas for the show. And of course, if you haven't already done that, rate and subscribe to our podcast. See you back in the MWC reality soon. Mm-hmm.